With an uncertain future, you believer might be wondering, what is in it for you? Well, I know. Jesus foretold it. Folks, this is the Bread of Life, and I'm Joe Van Hoogen. We're a program of the International Disciple-Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and its missions fellowship, the Bread of Life, in Boise, Idaho. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about our focus to plant churches all around the world. Now to God's Word, taken from Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 45. There, the Lord Jesus tells us exactly what our fortunes are if we leave everything to follow Him. Remember when I was a little boy on Shinden Boulevard, there was a patch of ground that was just dead earth and there were a couple of old trailers on it and there was a sign there and actually I, I knew because some other individuals in my family had encountered the people who were there, but they were, they were a, a family of gypsies and they had placards out there advertising that you could pull in there and get your fortune read. You could pull over on the side of the road there if you just kind of wanted to know what was lying ahead of you and they would tell you what your fortune was. And, I, and I'm sure, I imagine that place that individuals went there to find out uh, you know, how much treasure was out ahead of them, how rich they were going to get, how successful they're going to be at that job, whether that relationship that they were pursuing was going to be working out. And um, Don't go to fortune tellers. right? They won't, they won't help you out. Let me do, recommend to you that you go to the Lord Jesus because in this passage he actually tells your fortune for you. He tells you what's going to lie ahead of you, and it's not a trick. It's not a con. There's no magic to this whatsoever. This is just the author of history standing before you, inviting you to come and follow him completely and telling you, if you will, exactly what your fortune will entail, what you'll receive, and what you'll get. And here's what he promises you, and this is our primary, our first point. He promises you wealth in abundance. He says, you follow me. And I will give you wealth in abundance. The Lord Jesus reveals here that there's a way for us to accumulate significantly greater riches here on earth and then add to that eternal life. The Lord predicts a windfall that will produce a hundred times more possessions, a hundred times more relationships, a hundred times more possession in lands, a hundred more times more possession in houses, a hundred times more possession of relationships of brothers and sisters and mothers and children. And, and actually in Matthew's account in the same passions, a hundred times more wives. Now, we have to admit here that Jesus is not being literal, right? He is not promising that you're going to have, ah, we know that you can only have really one mother and he's not promising a future of some expansive polygamy. He's not promising you more wives. And one of the reasons we know that is because Jesus is wise, right? (laughs) And one wife is enough. (laughs) What he's actually promising is an exponential expansion of significant relationships in the same way that he's promising or forecasting for his followers an expansion of provision to be found for all the material resources that they might need and hope for and want in property and houses. When we look at this passage, we kind of have to be careful because this passage oftentimes is a grounding passage for people who teach a prosperity gospel. The purveyors of such teaching will say something like, God doesn't want his children driving around in junkers. He, He really wants his kids to be driving around in jaguars. God wants the best for his kids, and your kids are the kings, and so you just need to, by faith, claim for yourself all the princely life that he has for you. And if you're not living a princely life, it's because you're not believing enough. You're not saying the right words. You're not casting the right language into your life to bring in the harvest of all these great benefits in your life. And so they start 
pointing out all the negative ways in which you think and all the negative ways in which you articulate and you bring into reality through your words what's happening to you because it's really your words in a sense that are the, this adds to the fortune telling idea. Your words are the incantation, you might say, that unleashes prosperity on your life. They, They rail against the demons of nickels and dimes and they promote the opulent lifestyle found in fat wallets. Uh, A comfortable and excessive lifestyle is defended as a reward to grand faith, after which these instructors, after having told all these things to you, instruct you that it's important that you write a seed money of faith in a check and you put it in their back pocket. And if you put that seed money of faith in their back pocket, you'll have a beanstalk grow up in your backyard that you can climb up and gain all the riches you want for yourself. And gotta be careful when you understand what this passage is teaching. These preachers who play up on our natural instinct to acquire things forget that the king of all creation sent his eternal son to be born in a stable, to be a child of a poor carpenter, to let his condition degenerate to such a state of impoverishment that he said in Matthew 8, 20, that the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Having said all that, We cannot deny that in this verse, the Lord Jesus is promising something that is real. Something, it may not be taken literally, but the meaning reflects a real or genuine experience that's lying ahead for these disciples in this life, in this age. Something that will accumulatively build up into a great balloon payment at their eternal home and in their eternal destiny. It means life forevermore and by the way when we think of living forevermore it's not just living forever it's a life of abundance it's a life that goes far beyond the 100 times treasure that the Lord Jesus is promising these disciples in this life if they'll follow him and give themselves to him so there's something real about this but having said all that so something of abundance something of an exponential growth of physical abundance material abundance in your life something of an exponential growth of meaningful relationships in your life. He's promising that to his disciples. And I think it's through his disciples he's, he's making that promise to us as well. But there are three caveats. Three caveats. Let's look at them quickly. The first caveat is this. This treasure will only come to those who give up all that they have in order to follow Jesus. There, it will come, but it will only come to those who give up what they already have <laughs> Verse 29, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or farms or lands, that is, but he will receive a hundred times. Now, this is exactly what the disciples have done. They've left their families, they've left their children, they've left their wives, and what they have accumulated in terms of wealth, they've set aside in order to follow the Lord Jesus. Peter and James and John left their fishing business. Uh, Matthew left a lucrative tax business, the contract that he had with the government to raise taxes. Peter uh, looked at all those disciples and all those who were following Jesus, and he began to, maybe they hadn't left all these things, but cumulative, they had left all the things that Peter declared that they had left in order to follow Jesus. They left it all to follow him, and I just want you to notice here, I want you to see this. Christ's riches come to those who have left the riches they've already acquired in order to follow him. The wealth that Christ promises us comes to those who leave behind what they possess and what they hold and what they claim in order to follow Jesus. Hebrews 12.1 tells us that this is actually the mindset in which we're to continue following Jesus. There it says, set aside every weight and encumbrance. 
and the sin that entangles and run with endurance the race that's set before you, fixing your eyes on the Lord Jesus. Set aside everything else, anything that would encumber you, any possession that would gain hold of you, and we know how it is. We, we have an acquisitional nature that God has given us, and so it's easy for us to start collecting things. I don't know about you, but many times I actually think of my life when I was a, a young college student and I had a 10-speed. I think of how my wife and I started off in a marriage and we had a hot plate and enough money to go buy a mattress to throw on a floor and I actually longed for those days when we had no possessions to possess us and we only possessed a future and one another and something about it was actually really wonderful. Because you start acquiring things and holding on to things and you, you discover that they flip on you. And you, don't, you don't hold on to them, they hold on to you. And it's hard to get around with them. And it's hard to do the things sometimes that you feel God calling you to do. And the Lord Jesus knew this. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to be willing at any moment, any time, to shed everything in order to follow me. The truth is, when you determine to follow the Lord Jesus, there are some things that will choose to leave you. And some people who will choose to leave you. I've met those who have lost their whole families because of their decision to follow the Lord Jesus. I've heard the testimony of those whose parents actually went so far as to bury caskets and put headstones with their names in the earth in order to totally eradicate them from their life when they decided to follow Jesus Christ. I've met persons who have had everything they possessed confiscated and taken away from them because they chose to follow Christ. Others who have had wives and children, the whole household ransacked because in their culture, they had decided to follow the Lord Jesus. You know, in, in some countries, all the business you transact is secured by a card that you have been given and issued from the government. And the card has honored, among other things, the religion that you were born into. So if you're born into a Muslim faith, you have a, it says Muslim on it, or Hindu, it says Hindu, or Buddhist, it says Buddhist, or Christian, it says Christian. And that card is the thing that legalizes all the transactions you make. So what happens oftentimes is when a man who's, for example, grown up as a Hindu, converts to Christianity, and the government finds about it, they force them to reissue a new card to that individual. But what it does is it invalidates all the transactions prior to that time. They take it all from them. They take it all away from them. And it happens oftentimes. There are some things that will just leave you. And, and even if... You don't live in that kind of society. You'll find in less dramatic ways that over time as you walk with Christ that, that there are those that will find themselves distancing themselves further and further away from you because they have less and less in common with you. Along those same lines, by the way, you have to choose when you follow the Lord Jesus that there are some things that you, you will have to leave behind yourselves. The Lord will eventually come to you and he'll put his finger on certain things and say, hey, listen, this is not going to fit through the narrow path that I'm taking you. Uh, this is not going to pass to the eye of the needle that you and I are going to go through together as I take you to where I want to take you. You're going to have to leave that behind. Or he'll say something like, that thing is a false security in your, in your life that is competing with your complete trust in me. You're resting in that thing. And so until you learn to completely trust in me, you're going to have to let go of that thing. Sometimes God gives it back. Sometimes he doesn't. If he doesn't, if you give him what God wants, you don't care if he gives it back to you. It doesn't even bother you. This is how God operates in our life. There are some things that will leave you, and there are other things that you'll have to leave if you're going to follow the Lord Jesus. And Here's what we've said so far. The follower of Jesus will inherit great treasures in this life and the next 
after they've given up the treasures they've already accumulated in order to follow the Lord Jesus. We can be certain of this. We can't outgive the Lord Jesus. Whatever we give up to follow him, he'll return a hundred times more, he says. Here's a, here's a second caveat, though. But even here, this leaving must be done for the right reasons. Jesus says it must be done for my sake and the gospel's sake. Do you see that? It's what we leave for his sake and the gospel's sake. In other words, you must not leave these things behind in the motivation that somehow by abandoning them, you'll get better possessions. You can't leave this stuff behind as an investment for something richer and better for yourself. This is not seed money that you plant in order that you might get a Cadillac in your future or a Jaguar that you might surround yourself with comfortable things. This means basically that you don't follow the Lord Jesus as a cure for loneliness. You don't follow the Lord Jesus because you want to rise out of the society and the classroom into a higher class. Proves to be true. You follow the Lord Jesus and you're surrounded with those who follow him too and there's a cure for a deep existential loneliness because you meet the God who made you for a relationship and he, he bridges the gap and you have a relationship with him and then he introduces you to others who have that same relationship and you follow him and you, you give your life to him and, and God strikes a chord in your life that oftentimes lifts you out of poverty. In fact, this is a sociological fact. But if you do it for those reasons, it won't, it won't bring to you that benefit. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.